And hello there. This is Dr. Izix flying solo today. This is not a not standard uh, Watchers of Tomorrow episode, but uh, a part of our intermission. I have uh, decided to uh, do you guys a little bit of a reading for a story I wrote a while ago. Uh, it is one that I wrote when I was an undergrad in college. So, you know, many moons ago at the beginning of time, <laughs> when dinosaurs still roam the earth, all that fun stuff. And uh, the... Uh, it's a science fiction story, so it's very appropriate here. And I do have to warn you, it's a little rough. Uh, it did get sent through a, a workshop a couple times back in college. However, it's not maybe up to uh, to the standards of my current writing as far as what I like. But it's, it's all right as far as stuff goes. And I figured I'd share it with you guys today. So I uh, hope you enjoy. And uh, we'll be back to uh, the regular episodes pretty soon. The title of the story is called Escape, and it's by me. Metallic. That was the first thought that came to my mind when I regained consciousness. The next thought was that I was alive. I kept my eyes shut and attempted to feel out my body without moving. I was intact. At least, I felt intact. I felt the material of my jumpsuit, and there was also this solid pressure on my back from my head to toe, supporting me. It was very rigid and didn't form to my body. The smell remained intense. That metallic musk that can only be achieved in a metalworking shop. A 1980s boombox, perhaps? Or looking an old-fashioned metal watch? I opened my eyes and it was dark. Not pitch black, but very dark. The smell came from the exposed metal beams arranged at odd angles all around me. The light that revealed their presence seemed to be reflecting from some other area and scattering off the shiny parts of the metal, providing a rather dim illumination. The beams appeared to be of different qualities, some being quite reflective while others appeared tarnished, but there was no rust. The good news was that no one was about. It could be very bad if there had been anyone present when I arrived. A person in outdated clothing just popping into existence tends to create confusion. I reached down into my pockets and was glad to find my few emergency supplies. Hopefully they would have me back home in a few minutes. The relative shift was supposed to be a brief between the time it took them to start to reverse the process of the time I would actually spend here. I was born in the year 1998, in what was once known as the United States of America, in a town called Sterling, Colorado. After getting masters in hydrodynamic theory, I was hired by a group called Pattern Labs. I started on the bioreformatting engine, but found my skills were more suited to the Hawking-Zan experiment. The Hawking-Zan doorway, in short, is a fancy name for a time machine. By using hydrodynamic theory, it, came, it became possible to pass, bypass the uncertainties of quantum mechanics and determine the exact positions and momentums of a set of particles. This led, in conjunction with the latest quantum gravitational theories, to a method of determining the precise position of a particle in space, and yet it allowed for rapid acceleration of its time variable. The object, or in my case, me, doesn't move at all in relation to some arbitrary particle designated by the lab, and hopefully kept safe until I arrive in the future. I simply started going through time very quickly. Years passed in a billionth of a second. Very trippy stuff. Experiments had shown that it was possible to keep track of the particles that make up me, and after a few minutes began to accelerate them in the opposite direction, bringing me home in my, to my time again. So I waited in the dark to experience once again the strangest thing I'd felt that since that night when I watched that movie with the computer in the black monolith. I waited and waited. After an hour had passed in this dark metallic place, sitting on a metal beam about as wide as I, 
I decided to pull out the emergency beacon. It was a long shot, but it had worked during one of the earlier non-human tests. It was a small box with a button inside. Nothing special. Pushing the button, it lit up and started flashing red. I put it back in my knee pocket and checked my other pockets. I quickly found my OmniSensor 500. This box had a big LCD screen that lit up green when activated. Lots of buttons for calibration, of course, a simple on and off switch. Another device activated. More blinking lights, more reflections. Green now. Good air, no radiation beyond background. No toxins, no anomalies. Okay, I was safe for a little while longer. With better light, meager as a readout is, I could make out more of the strange metallic beams. It was almost as if I was inside a building steel and superstructure that had been slowly crushed from above. It was I was pretty lucky to have landed on a flat beam that wasn't broken or twisted, or at a dangerous angle. I crawled over to where my beam met the next one and I sat up against it. I started to wait again. I left my omnisensor on the beam before me to provide a little light. I had a flashlight, but hopefully I wouldn't need it. Besides, the longer I let it run, the better the omnisensor would make sure I was safe. Plus, I like green. Another couple of hours and I checked my watch. My patience was crumbling. The longest recorded drift difference was 25 minutes, 2027 time, to 59 minutes, 2293 time. Rat came through okay and only having aged those 59 minutes. I was supposed to be in 2080, and I had been here for over three hours. This wasn't right. I got up and grabbed my omnisensor and I looked at it. Gravity. 1.0000432 Earth gravities. Atmosphere. 79.2% nitrogen, 23% oxygen, 0.4% argon, 0.36% helium. Helium? Helium? There is almost no helium in the Earth's atmosphere, at least in 2027. And now we apparently have over 10,000 times more helium than normal. I was surprised I didn't have a squeaky voice. Then I realized I had an attempt to speak. When I did say helium, it was a little higher than usual, but not squeaky. That was it. I had to get going. I turned off the omnisensor and let my eyes readjust to near total darkness. I slowly looked around for the direction of the most reflected light. Having homed in on the brightest spot, though it was still quite dim, I got my flashlight and began a more in-depth look at my surroundings. The beams did not form a perfect cage, but bent and twisted about forming strange knots and gaps. To my left was a gap that dropped down about ten feet beyond the safety of the beam on which I stood to a knot of metal. On my right, a similar fate, with a few more beams to catch along the way if I were to fall. Above me, things got pretty congested, almost like vines on an ancient gazebo, the beams wrapped around almost perfectly to create a ceiling. The beam I had been on since I arrived was joined to a vertical one as if they were one piece, though a slight seam was visible. The far end continued into the metallic vines and disappeared into the jungle. Since I didn't want to risk jumping, that would be my way to the light. I walked to where my beams entered the mess and started climbing above, around above the left pit. Bending in a way I had not done since high school, I squeezed between the girders and began to struggle towards the light. I quickly became scratched and bruised, but I continued on. I just had to leave my metal prison. Though it was po probably safer inside, I had to get out. Who knows when I would be recalled the present, especially if something disastrous went wrong. Perhaps the lad had been seized by government agents, or a pallet failure had caused a loss of tracking, or perhaps a nuclear attack occurred at the very moment I was accelerated through time, and I was now crawling through the aftermath some 10,000 years later. 
I was leaving a womb of iron to find a world of the unknown. If the womb was iron, would the grass be glass? Would the clouds be concrete? Light got brighter and brighter. Then I began to slide along one of the beams. My controlled descent became a nearly uncontrollable slide into the depths of the iron. I dropped my flashlight as my support gave way and I began to tumble. I was cut and scratched by broken surfaces. It was amazing I lived at all. I bounced about, got stabbed, and then fell through an open chamber. In the brief glimpse I got of the chamber, I saw more than metallic vines, of course, but also what appeared to be a large machine, broken and dark. As I fell, the light reflected from what I had hoped so much was outside was getting farther and farther away, and my flashlight was spinning haphazardly a foot above me. The flashlight kept getting stalled during its descent, bouncing in its safe plastic shell off one girder to the next. I hit another surface and it moved and slid open once again. It got very dark and then very bright. Stabbed several more times, I cried out in pain. I landed with a thud, felt all another slide coming on, and was quickly knocked out by my falling flashlight. I awoke some time later to a view of a perfect blue sky. I hoped so much that I was home that this was my sky, that this was my time. But it was not to be. As I stared straight up in my peripheral vision, I began to notice shapes. I sat up quickly in Winston pain for my injuries. I fell back down and banged my head on that flash, blasted flashlight. I reached back, attempting to avoid too much pain, and removed the flashlight from behind my head and put it at my side. I turned my head to look at the shapes. Trees. They looked like barren trees. Metal winter trees. But as my eyes focused, I discovered that they were not only strange metal erections, but were huge in size and some distance off. The only reason I could see them when looking straight up was their north proportions. I tilted my head to look back behind, and yes, there was a tree tower just a little bit above my head. Its titanium veneer covered the endless tangled beams underneath, which were still visible through the many gaps in the surface. The surface sloped down to where I now lay. I was just a short distance from one of the openings. A sense of dread fell upon me as I viewed these sights. Even by the most advanced construction techniques, it would take decades to build such things, assuming the entire planet didn't run out of metal first. And after the construction, centuries of wear and mental fatigue to turn what could easily have been city buildings that could hold millions of people in the foreign mockeries of dead trees. This is definitely not the latter half of the 21st century. I quickly decided upon a minimum year of 3,000 or so. Quickly calculating drift time, that would give me about a day before I returned to 2027. With more pain, I checked my watch. Five hours had passed since my arrival. I found my bandages began to cover my more severe wounds. Having completed that, I attempted to stand. To my amazement, I had not broken my legs, nor any bones that I could tell. But I was still in bad shape. Immediately around me, the titanium slopes continued down gently for a few hundred yards until it started up again to the nearby tree buildings. At the lowest points was collected all sorts of metallic rubble of various sizes, piled up to obscure the last hundred feet or so before the slope reversed direction. There were bits and pieces of metal above me as well, though never anything large. My survival instincts had me grab one of the sharper pieces. I could feel my reasoning in danger. I reached into another pocket and grabbed a food bar and ate quickly, surveying the horizon that was dictated by the slopes of the foundation of each building. I drank half my water and waited. I checked my beacon and the omnisensor. Both were still working and the omnisensor had found nothing dangerous to report. From the looks of things, the shiny forest didn't continue on very far. I counted only seven buildings in view. 
course, one of the behemoths could easily hide more on the far side. The ground I sat on was very solid but smooth. Though I was not a metallurgist, I did appear to be more titanium than anything else. My omnisensor agreed. I knocked a couple of times in the middle and did not hear the reverberations of any obvious cavities beneath. It must have been solid for at least ten feet. My expiration caused me more pain. So I checked my more severe wounds, a cut along my left side. I removed the bandage and took a look. I'd obviously need stitches. Only four pockets left. I bypassed the second food bar and the pocket computer and got the first aid pouch and went to work, sewing my flesh back together. The metallic spell was slowly giving me way to that of fresh blood. Blood smells vaguely similar to metal. The iron in it becomes noticeable when there's a good deal of it. Another hour of intense pain and I was closed shut again. I replaced the bandage and began to rest. Once more, I pondered my predicament. There seemed to be only metal here. No plastics, nor biodegradable material. I added another millennium to my estimate. The year 4000 would give me at least three days of shift. I would have to conserve what food and water I had left. I would also have to find shelter, I thought. Who knew what could be lurking under these buildings, and what if it rained? There might not be any drains at the bottom of the recesses between the buildings. The entire area could flood. This was definitely not a choice place to rest. I packed my stuff in my pockets, including my sharp point that I chose as weapon. There was a consensus of the lab that no weapon would be sent through in case the traveler was sent in the wrong direction by accident. A pistol in the 1500s North America could be a very desirable thing. Once more, I experienced great pain as I stood. I decided to avoid the place I had started in hoping to find less congested or dangerous opportunities in one of the other nearby buildings. I looked again at the sky. Still, no clouds. Perhaps I was being foolish in thinking of rain, but I put my resolve on and started to walk. It took me three more hours to get relatively close to my target. I named it Luigi. This building was slightly taller than the one I had came from, Mario, and thinner. As I got closer and looked through the opening in its surface, I spotted that the internal supports were looser and more square, than the previous buildings. Luigi was always the more upstanding one. Mario was the one out there getting beat up by Bowser's minions. As the sun began to set, it was still yellow, thankfully. I made it to an opening. The wind was beginning to pick up outside. For the sake of my wounds, I it was good to be inside. As before, many of the beams were twisted, broken, or in the wrong place, but Luigi had much more room for movement and a few and fewer sharp pointy bits. I toddled in and got a, out my flashlight. There were several large open areas at this bottom level that I could gain access to. I also spotted a number of climbable areas where I, the girders seemed to form a rough stairway. I slept fitfully that night in one of the ground floor areas on the hard titanium. The next morning I peeked outside. It was still relatively cool, windy and cloudless. Nothing had changed. My wounds still hurt and now I had a stiff neck. I went back inside and began to explore the interior some. Random bits of metal littered the floor and girder beams were placed randomly. I climbed the stair structure and found my way to more chambers and more random stairs. Some led nowhere while others seemed to continue forever. I spent the rest of my day exploring this maze. Slowly the smell of blood fell away and the metallic taste began to saturate my tongue. I drank another third of my water and ate half of my second emergency food bar. Several times I sat down and pulled out my pocket computer to make notes of how I'd gotten where I was. A couple times I eyed my final pocket. The pocket contained the cyanide capsules. 
I slept the second evening in a chamber that had a window of sorts to the outside. The second night was less fitful, but not pleasant. The third day began with thunder. I awoke and found the sky had, during the night, changed from the perfect blue to a perfect purple. Rain started soon after the opening signal of the storm. I moved towards the interior of Luigi and huddled there, afraid. I drank the last of my water and ate the rest of my f the food bar. I rocked back and forth, hoping I would be recalled quickly. Large crashes signaled that Luigi had been hit by the electrical might of lightning. I cried out and pleaded to Antoine, the great giver, to let me go home. By sunset the storm had was over and the sky was clearing. I returned my window on this world and indeed most lowlands were floated. No swirls of vortexes to indicate a drain. I sat on the opening and watched the sun sink beneath the horizon and the clouds break up. I watched as the stars came out and lit the reflective scene like nothing I'd ever seen. It was as if I was on a ledge overlooking outer space. No electrical light spoiled the sparkle of the stars. Soon I was in tears, but the fear was gone. When I regained composure, I looked for familiar constellations and found none. Tens of thousand years had passed for the stars to move this much. It could be years before I could be called home. After a time the moon rose, it was the moon, my moon, classic and eternal, unchanged from the days when I knew the world. It was small compared to the sights around me, but bright. The starlight was diminished by this, yet the illusion of space remained. I started to cry harder and harder at the beauty before me. Never in my life did I think I would ever see such a thing. Never in my life did I think I would be this far from home. Never before in my life had I stopped caring about what people might think to hear because there were none here. The sin greater than any previous in force, that of pure freedom from society and my fellow humans, was now my state of existence, and I had always desired it. When I was thirteen, my dad told me about growing up in Minnesota in his family's cabin in southern Canada. He once went on a trip by himself into the Boundary Waters, a large system of lakes and rivers and forests near Lake Superior, along the border between Canada and the old U.S. My dad was planning on going with some friends, but they backed out at the last minute, so he went alone. He spent five days hiking and boating in a glorious wilderness. It was not the beauty that he saw that I desired, but the isolation to be miles away from the nearest human being, to sing, to yell, to cry, and to laugh whenever you wanted. No limits. My family had never had enough money to waste on a camping trip or in a visit to an amusement park. Paying for my education had kept me working almost non-stop since I left home. Sometimes I'd go to the park and go biking, but I was always inside a huge city with thousands upon thousands nearby. Hundreds who could call the cops if some strange man began yelling at himself or failing at failing to compute an equation correctly. The park's not freedom, it is simply a false wilderness to keep us bottled close to the action. My crying slowed and I smiled. I stood up and laughed. I yelled out obscenities into the night. I told Antoine to screw off and take his postmodern religious crap with him into his dust-filled grave that must have been long opened up and violated by plate tectonics. I claimed a national allegiance to no nation but to myself, and then I calmed down, exhausted by my outburst. A strange sound came from behind me. My instincts had me turn. The starlight revealed little of the figure that stood there except a gray outline. Hello? 
I said, feeling almost sinister as I spoke the word with confidence. I actually perceived at this point that this figure was indeed one of the lords of the system that Antoine spoke of in a seminar. You have no power over me. It stepped forward and into the moonlight. It stood a little over six feet tall and was fairly thin. It appeared to be covered in a strange reddish fur or hair. Large, pointy ears, wide hands, and two visibly long teeth poking out the sides of its mouth. Leave. You are far from the evils of the past and are weak here. I felt very religious, despite having just given up my faith in the words of Antoine. The creature stopped and observed my features. It took another step and made a strange sound. Very well, I told it. If you want me, you will have to catch me. So as my word suggested, at least to those who understood English, I ran. I looked back as I followed the wall along the platform and saw the creature pause before beginning the pursuit. I navigated myself to one of the scalable girders formations, pointing the way up. I would have preferred one that went down. I started climbing. Pain wrecked my body as I pulled open my cuts, but the adrenaline but the adrenaline prevented me from stopping, and despite my flight, I still felt confident on some level that it was nothing to worry about. I climbed for a while and could hear it coming up behind me rather quickly. I sped up and climbed faster and harder. My foot slipped once because of the blood that covered it. A rational thought finally came that this was not one of Antoine's boogeymen, but something else entirely. Panic overtook my mind as it concluded that some alien creature was attempting to catch me for some unknown purpose possibly to eat me. My speed up this twisting metal increased once again. The spire ended near a platform. With no worry about falling to my death, I jumped the seven feet to the platform, turned, and looked down. I did not see my pursuer. I moved quickly to the far side of the platform and hid. A few seconds later, I was unconscious. I awoke the next morning to sunlight and a softness. I wasn't resting on metal anymore. I looked around and saw I was neither home. I looked around and saw I was neither home nor in my hiding place. I was on a pile of strange fabrics in the open air. I came to full consciousness quickly. I attempted to move, but my, found my body immobile. Wondering why it was so, I attempted to do it again. I soon realized that my body was refusing to move because it was in an immense amount of pain. That sleep and adrenaline had made me forget existed. I passed out again. Being exposed to the noon sun forced me awake once more. The pain was lessened, but not gone. I could move little, but only with much effort. Attempting to ascertain my situation, I tilted my head to view my surroundings. I was on the soft pile of assorted fabrics on top of another titanium platform. The platform bent up some twenty feet away in all directions of that, and then ended in pure blue sky. In the direction of my feet was an opening that led down to more of the impossible girders. To my left was what appeared to be a bunch of plants randomly piled up on top of one another, like a mad hydroponics garden. Next to that was some metal poles and a tarp that was just sort of lying there, not folded properly at all. It appeared wet. On my right were some buckets that appeared to have water in them. I tried to get up, but lacked the strength, so I waited. With no strength to move, all I could do was think. Of course, thinking was can also, in this case, be 
described as panicking inside one's own skull. Unless I had moved through time again, which I doubted, something, probably the creature, had gotten me. It was probably right downstairs, waiting for me to wake up to eat me alive, and conscious, of course, so it could hear me scream in pain. Or it was just waiting for me to wake up so that it could torture me properly. My mind went on with other scenarios of in which the creature did something unpleasant. So when I heard the sound of something moving, I closed my eyes and hoped I could pretend to still be asleep. The sound came up from below and then moved over to my right before coming very close to me. My mouth was forced open and some water poured in. I swallowed happily, of course, being weak as I was and thirsty. There was no helping that. The sound then moved away and I heard the sound of a metal bucket hitting a metal floor. The sounds then moved around me. I felt my pockets being played with. My pocket with the suicide bills was the first to be emptied. I heard the plastic case hit the platform a dozen feet away. Then my omnisensor was taken and tossed. Then I took out my pocket computer and from the sound of it opened it up. Sound similar to the one that the creature made before came from right above my chest. The sound of movement left my side and ended somewhere on my left. Not knowing what to make of it and still very much in the throes of pain, the most simple part of my mind took control. I decided to be curious and to take a look at what was happening. The same creature that had chased me the night before was sitting near the plants playing with my computer, making strange and quiet sounds. It looked up and saw me looking at it before I could return to my acting career. The creature stared at me for a while and I at it. It then slowly came closer to me. I was unable to run this time, so I made myself motionless. The creature got to my side and held up my computer. This being then started pointing at the small screen and making more noises that sounded like hums and disjointed syllables. I looked at the screen and could see my last journal entry, except there was an extra attached to the end of it. The last line said, Self found the creature below and brought him up top. I softly spoke line to the fuzzy person next to me. The creature responded with more noises and sounds and then offered me the computer again. Ignoring my pain, I took it and typed, Can you read this? And offered it back, nearly exhausted. It typed a bit and then showed me the screen again. Yes. Before I could properly react to such a turn of events, the creature used its free hands to pull me up from the soft bed. I almost blacked out again, but managed to stand for a moment. I almost collapsed when my strength gave out, but the typist caught me. He started pulling at me to come with him, and I did, unable as I was to resist in such a situation. He supported most of my weight and led me down into the opening I'd seen before. It was a sloping portion of the titanium skin that led directly down to one of the internal platforms. The smell of metal returned. On this platform was a pile of boxes and cables. The creature placed me near it and opened one of the boxes. Inside was a monitor that quickly became lit and a keyboard. The creature pointed towards the monitor, which showed what appeared to be a text. I read some lines and found it was some sort of fiction story written in English. The operating system was unfamiliar. I looked further into the box, past the monitor. Behind the monitor was a variety of other devices, one of which was giving it power. I reached it and pulled out a blue wand with a gray button. The creature looked at it and said something short. I pawned the wand on the screen and the cursor appeared. Within the wand, about selected one of the options on the edge of the screen. 
Getting a feel of the system, I could hear the creature talk excitedly in the hums and random letters. I looked at the creature again. This was insane. I turned my attention back to the screen. I navigated myself to what appeared to be a text editor and typed in, You could read this language, correct? I pointed at the screen. The creature jabbered on some more about before reaching over and typing. Yes. I was very excited that an alien had a device with a, with a language in it. I had never met an alien before. What are you, and how did you find the city? My response, I am human. I arrived here randomly. I have never met an alien either. Why am I here with you? Why did you chase me? The creature moved off for a moment and moved its head around from side to side. It then returned and typed, I was curious as to what you were, and when I found you again, you were hurt, and you typed incorrectly. You are not human. I am. I just sat there for a moment. The creature didn't type any more, and neither did I. You know, I eventually spoke. You are very strange, or this is messed up. We stared at each other for a while. I tried to put my most confident face forward. I still had a great deal of fear about this thing, and I didn't want some random chance such as it knowing how to type block the obvious. I was in some weird future populated by alien creature things, giant metal buildings that look like dead trees. Finally, I got the courage to type again. But I am the human. You are the alien. The creature puzzled for a while. Its response, false. You are the alien. I am human. That is the way of things. Very well, if you insist. Then what of Antoine? Is there still a faith in the speaker? Antoine is not a word I recognized. I was relieved by this. And what of the other? And what of others like me? Are there any about? You are the first alien I have ever met. I do not think anyone's ever met an alien before. So there were no real humans anymore. And what of Brazil? Is there a Union of the West? How about the Manchurian Federation? Brazil is only in the stories of old contained in this pile here. The others are unknowns. What do you want of, from me? I want nothing from you except to speak with you. Finally, I typed, Human, what is the time? What year is it? It is the 734 year of the people. After reading this, I moved the wand about again. I scanned the system and found the system clock. The year read 192043AC. I changed the calendar type to CEAD. I was in the year 232,503 AD. I paused and did the math. I would not be recalled for 600 years, even with the beacon. I reached in my pocket and pulled out the beacon. I turned it off and set it aside. The creature picked it up and looked it over before putting it back down. I typed, Hello, my t name is Tim. I then pronounced my name out loud. The creature puzzled and spoke more words, and then pat me on the head before typing, Hello, Tim. I am Rizalixanzazan. Welcome to my home. It then said, Rixen. 
and I thank you for your generosity, Rizizizim. I will not be able to go back to my home. Can I live here? I smiled myself as I typed this. There was the distinct possibility that Rixon didn't actually understand what I was typing at all and responded, as was appropriate by some strange chance. I decided this his next answer would determine if I trusted this creature. Yes. I trusted him. Thank you. I picked up the beacon, my last hope of returning to the 21st century, and tossed it into the darkness of Luigi's interior. I heard it shatter. I concentrated and stood. Slowly I forced myself back up the incline, followed by the curious Rixen. I wobbled over to the bed, my strength failing again, and I collapsed on the soft fabrics and slept until it was time to face Rixen and this new world again. I didn't care that the alien was probably watching me as I drifted off to sleep. I didn't care that my civilization was dead. I didn't care that I was totally out of my element. I wanted things this way. I slept calmly and without pain as I would forever after. And that was Escape by me, Dr. Isix. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, as I said before, uh, some things about it are still rough. And uh, some of the wording is perhaps a little... What was I, what was I thinking here? Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, I hope you enjoyed, and uh, if you guys want to, you know, discuss the story or uh, want us to discuss it all, do let me know. Uh, but otherwise, I hope you have a good time, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Watchers of Tomorrow. Toodles.